This is Speaking From Water, episode 29, and it's our second beach walk, excuse me, beach walk podcast. And it's a very special beach walk podcast because I have a legendary coach with me, legendary swimmer. He's a champion himself. He's a maker of champions, Bobby Gontoro. Hey guys, thanks for having me, Sean. Bobby, thank you for coming on the, the podcast today. Um, you are our first coach, and I am, um, again, very honored to have you. You've done amazing things here locally at UNCW, but your history goes super deep, which um, is very inspiring. Um, first of all, how, how are you doing, and uh, what's been going on with the team lately? Good, thanks. Yeah, it's been doing good. Uh, we're in a Christmas training right now, which is, um, you know, kids are done with, with their fall semester and uh, they're just staying in Wilmington to really just train and uh, preparing. We got 10 weeks until the championships. Uh, you know, if those of you guys who does endurance sports understand that this is the important 10 weeks for us, the last push. Um, in the meantime, understanding that it's a tough time for the kids because, you know, all their friends are gone. They go home for Christmas break. So how do we move forward and, and, and really balancing everything as well for them? But uh, overall, it's good. Yeah. Kids are good. So that's good. So that's sick, good. man. So you're a, you're an athlete yourself. You're also a, yeah. a, a young coach, but you've been in the game now for like uh, 2012 when you yeah. first started. But yeah. before we go deep into that, you are originally from – Jakarta, Indonesia, and that that is uh, an amazing um, uh, place to grow up. I'm sure. Uh, take us to the very beginning. Like, h- how is swimming in in Jakarta? What's that yeah. swimming culture like? Well, you know, I, I actually from Bali. So I actually was born. Uh, I was born in Jakarta, and then I and my family moved to Bali. Uh, I spent most of my growing up in Bali. Um, the swimming in Bali was very. You know, just like Wilmington, kind of to, to tell you the truth, because we don't really swim for competitive. We learn to swim to be in the ocean. Um, they're not really, you know, official swim clubs, many of that, not really. Um, like I said, hey, you know, a lot of local kids just learn to swim so that we can body surf or get on a surfboard. And, uh, and I think to me, that was me, and that's the beginning of my swimming. Um, I happens to be liking competition. So I learned how to swim. I did it, uh, get on the ocean with everybody else. And then, you know, the, the local club asked me, hey, you want to go, you know, compete in this small local age group meet? I'm like, yeah, let's, let's try it out. My first meet, I got lost in everything I did. And I came back, I was so upset. How I told my parents, I was probably five, six years old. It was like 25s, whatever. Just kind of like a summer league here, you know? It might have been 7 or 8. It might have been 7 or 8. And I remember I came home, I rode my bike home from the meet, and I'm just like so upset. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to get beat again. <laughs> so that was kind of really wow. the beginning was like, you know, there was nothing really, nothing really set club. And, but I remember I would go to so many ocean and just like going fast, just, just doing my, because like, you know what? I, I don't want to get beat again. And that was just kind of like from one level to the next level to the next level, and uh, moved to Jakarta into the training center. Well, hold on, I want to I yeah. re- re- go back a little bit. So, yeah. 
what was that second meet like and what did you do as a young child to coach yourself because a lot of kids yeah. they might say hey i'm terrible at this yeah uh, no. i see kids they, they try something one time yeah. and they, they don't do well and they're like oh yeah. i'm bad at yeah. this yeah and uh what was it in you that and you're like oh i can get better yeah well my my mother is a teacher and my mother say you know she really believed in learning and uh, doing it in repetitions and really putting your head down and then when you want to study something you got to take your time and i just took my mother's advice and you know i was like all right if i want to be if i want to beat these guys the next time i just gotta do it more and i just do that and for whatever reason i love sprinting so i was like you know what if i just do sprinting over and over again i think i'll be better at sprinting and that was that they allow me to come just twice a week because they have a you know, pay membership and also non-pay membership. Um, the pay membership, they can go every day. The non-pay membership, they can do twice a week and I was the non-pay membership. So I just joined that and then take a look at what we, what I do and what they did really with me for the two days. And the rest of the day, I'm like, well, I'm just gonna do it myself. On the three days then, I'm yeah, the next competition, uh, I got a taste of winning. I got two events. I won. I still remember. I still remember to this day. Like one, I, I won two events, and then the other three, I got third, I think, or something. And then that kind of gave me more. All right, now I want to win everything. <laughs> and then what, what were those events? Uh, the first, the first two events that we won, I won was 25 freestyle and 25 backstroke. I could not swim butterfly at all. Like I guess I just just didn't have the technique you know and and that was really where my where, where coaching comes in where you know and then my, my my family after that just like you want to do this yeah i like to do it you know and and they start working out with the club local club and uh if i can do three days a week or four days a week you know so and mainly just working on technique um and that was really that my first experience with Scana, you know, structured swim club, I guess. Right. Um, so yeah, it, that was really the beginning. It, it's it's kind of like summer league here, right? Yeah. So I just my competitiveness. I was just I don't know. I I I, I don't like to lose. <laughs> so that's that's really the beginning of it. So you you took it real serious i mean eventually yeah. you got to the national team in indonesia yeah uh, what, what was that build-up like oh man it was uh really interesting actually uh not too long ago i spoke about this with my wife you know how my wife kind of knew the track what i did but she didn't know the detail so i was 12 years old that was my first time ever competing in a national competition in indonesia for it was I remember it was 12 and under I was in, a, in that group and you know nobody really knew who I was in a national level because I never competed nationwide nationwide that was the first time um, and that particular meet I won four goals and all like really first place in, in 50 fly 50 back 50 brass 50 freestyle and that was the only event that we can compete in 12 and under. Um, that's one coach that played an important role in my life. 
Francis, he's, he, he was my second father. Um, he's, his name is Raja Nasution. Uh, Raja means king in Indonesia. That's actually his, his first name is Raja, which is kind of cool. But he's pretty well known in Indonesian swimming history. He has four children that, sorry, five children. Um, he has four daughters that they all, they are the only uh, family that put together a relay on the women's side. They actually won national title um, in the open. So he's really, really good coach. And, he recognized my talent and after the championships he approached my family and uh, in the championship they say hey uh, are you serious about swimming do you want to take it to the next level and I kind of say like well at that point yeah, I got the taste of uh, success you know and work hard and all that I say yeah and he said that uh, what he offered me to live with them, you know, they're with their family, and move over to Jakarta, and kind of go from there. And my parents just really have a conversation with me, you know. But but to give you a little bit more con context, uh, it's you know we we came from a family that we live check to check, and you know my my mother is a teacher, my my father works work in a, in a hotel in in, in Bali, and also own like a small printing business in Bali. And I think we knew that, hey, we, through through the sport, the, whatever sport like this, we could get scholarship to get better education, to get, you know, further our education. And to me, that was important for me that, hey, you know, this could be my golden ticket to not only, you know, further my education and also, help my family out like you know so I, I want to be able to help my family out so we didn't have a house growing up we just kind of like home and all that and you know I, I always feel like hey I'll become national champions overall you know I can make a living you know doing that and, and get in scholarship and all that so 12 years old helped me say yes to that offer to go move to Jakarta and that was really the first time I live away from my family. So um, that's kind of like the beginning of the journey. How, how was that emotionally for you as a young uh, kid? Yeah. I, it was, in the beginning, it was very, like, motivated. Um, but then things kind of settled down a little bit the first few months. You know, I'm just like, oh, wow. Like, I, it's, you know, I'm not seeing my family. Uh, and it's a different, Bali and Jakarta back then, if you travel by, car but we didn't have a car <laughs> so if you travel by the bus it'll take about like, like a little about 20 hours and so I only see my parents my family only probably like three three times a year um, at most four times a year um, I don't know I, I, I think it was at, at the time like, I couldn't really remember but I it, it was a good I was presented with real life very quickly. Um, it wasn't just swimming suddenly. It was more that how how you're living with people outside your family, 24/7. You know, and and I think I credit that that experience a lot for me to 
really like in, in, in my adult life right now. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think that was, I wouldn't say difficult. It was just different. It's a different route. Um, I think in, in our country, that was one of those things where some people do that to, to have to get a better living. And, and we, you know, we kind of hoping for the light at the end of the tunnel and kind of go from there. Yeah. So just the way of life, I think. And, and you, you, you made it, man. It's so inspiring. Uh, so you're, you're, you're 12. What's that, what's that journey like then from 12 yeah. to, to eventually UNCW? Yeah. So, so when I got 12 years old over there and then when I turned 13 in you know, the next championships, I, that's when I, I tied my breakthrough, I broke a lot of like a really a lot of national age group record. Uh, and then the Federation realized the talent and they put me in this long-term scholarship program, meaning that you have to prove it, that you can maintain a good academic uh, performance in the classroom and also be, continue to be you know, top two in your age group in swimming. And uh, if you're able to do that for three to five years, they'll send you to another country um, to continuing training and education and all that. Uh, there was a program for Indonesian swimmers to go to the United States. And yeah, you know, really, just, that was kind of like the first student-athlete combined in a way, you know. Um, we, I, I, we were lucky because we had three swimmers in the 90s that you know, one of them graduated from Arizona State, um, two graduated uh, from UCLA. So they were very heavily involved with the Federation to, to make sure that young swimmers like myself would have the same opportunity. Um, so in 2004, the Indonesian government sent me to a boarding school in Jacksonville, Florida called the Bowl School. And the Bowl Schools has... And how old are you, how old are you at this 17 point? 17 years old. 17, 17 years old, yeah. Um, I, was, uh, well, I was a senior in high school in Indonesia, but when I came here, I didn't have enough credit to be senior, so they moved me back to being a sophomore really in, in high school. How was that educational difference as far as like yeah. classes and yeah. the background of knowing what you needed to know? Right. Because English is a second yeah. language for you. Yes, absolutely. I didn't learn English until I was 16. Wow. So, so when I get a bonus, and you know it's different, right? I mean, you, you learn the language and you only speak it twice a week. That's not, yeah. that's not enough. So, yeah, I... I I quickly realized I know all the material that when I came from Indonesia to here, like you know, the math in Indonesia is way ahead of in America. Really? It was cruising for me. I was just like, I know this, but I just didn't know the language. Yeah. Um, I remember like I took, my first class was world history. It was taught by a guy with a super thick Irish accent. So I'm like, I couldn't understand anything. My first exam was like a D. And I was just, because I couldn't, I couldn't understand the language. And they weren't allowing me to have dictionary during exam. 
So no accommodations. No accommodation. They just want to go straight up, and, and you know, I I asked him like, how can I get better at this? And uh, he spent for the rest of the semester. I spent 30, 30 minutes on the recess. Recess? Yep. Recess? Yep. Yep. Yeah, 30 minute recess. It, the class was right before before recess. And I just stayed with him and just run through. Extra time. Right, extra time because like he was really kind to me that Mr. O'Riordan, I remember this. Uh, he, he was very kind to me. Whatever the material that we went through in the class that day, he would go through again with me for that 30 minutes. And so my, I, I remember there was a five exam. First one I got a D, and then the next one I got a C plus, and then a B, and a B, and I actually got the highest score on the last exam. I got 100% on the very last exam. So I mean, it was always like really kind of a first success feeling and partnership feeling that I'm like, wow, you know, and, and that was a really, I, I, I would say a, how, how would I say this? I think it was, it was a bigger meeting than just a teacher and, it was more for me, like I have hope in this country that there is somebody like Mr. O'Riordan would spend an extra time that really invested in me. He sees something in me and invested uh, and, and we found success. So to me, it was, that was, that was a really cool, like, you know, I, I didn't think back then that it, it was gonna, you know, last, really gonna be last forever in, in me, right? The, uh, the impact that that he had in me so so yeah man that's uh and then ball schools man it was a good it was a tough tough school um so unc wilmington swim team used to take christmas training at ball school so um i didn't know i mean i, I'm, I was learning about college swimming and all that i wanted to go to college in the united states um so that was that was the goal that was the goal. Yeah, Ed education, education was, was, uh, was the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, I was like, when I go, I made, I made a promise to my parents, like, okay, if I go to the United States, I'm gonna get my degree. I want to get a job somewhere else in the world, so I can, uh, so I can. And I remember, I have a simple goal. I want to buy my parents' home. That's it. And I told them, I I'm going to buy a home for for our family. And yeah, so that was the goal. And again, like, uh, just really lucky. I didn't know where Wilmington is. You know, and uh, it happened, they, they train after, like after I trained when I was at Ball. So Ball School is, we have swimming pool and everything. So you got a dorm, school and the swimming and, and everything is in the same campus. So it's like a boarding school. Uh, after after practice so during this time, and they came in to practice after us. I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna watch this practice. Just sit down there and watch. And coach Dave Allen, rest in peace. And Dave Allen came up to me. He was just like, "What's your so? Why are you here? Don't you have like school to do?" I'm just like, I was like, "No, I finished all my work, and I just want to watch our college team practice." Like, and they were there for five days, and I show up for five days just to watch them practice. But every day, have more conversation with them every day a little bit longer and you know and Todd the Sorbo and met Todd over there and uh, after they were done with recruiting uh, with uh, with Christmas training they start calling me and uh, 
and really that, that that was that was Christmas before I graduated. I have still have no idea where I'm gonna go. And in March, hold on. What yeah. was that? What was that? Uh, that departure talk like? Because I'm sure you know there's a build up to it, and then you were like, "Oh, they're leaving." I gotta have this farewell conversation with yeah. Dave. It was. It was just really go with the flow conversation to be honest with you it wasn't like necessarily i was just so like man these guys are really cool to talk to just really like easy to talk to you know and you know keep in mind by that time i've been living on my own for eight years now well, six or six years six years or seven years right yeah and i've met so many different people and you know and you knew how to rap yeah i mean just exactly so it's just kind of like I can talk to a wall, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, um, but yeah, I, you know, when I knew they were leaving, and you know, Dave, were, Dave and Tom were like, "Well, we got to get in touch. We got to get in touch, and uh, just to kind of see, you know, where this is going and everything." I told them my background, and I told them that, you know, hey, I, you know, my parents can't afford anything, and I'm just gonna look for a place that we're happy, and uh, I think to me. I was being honest with them immediately. Just like, this is this is what it is, and you know, I committed to UNCW before visiting Wellington. Wow! I, you I had no idea. What I have no idea. No idea what you're getting into. I have no idea. What you I'm didn't getting. know about how awesome this place was. <laughs> Excuse me. Nope. Nope. Incredible. So, yeah, and then and then they they had me like, hey, do you want to come visit? I was like, I told them, well, I can't fly. I don't have money to fly. So. But I trust you. <laughs> and, uh, and they flew me down here actually for a weekend. And they took me to the beach. First thing, from the uh, from the airport, they took me to PT's. PT's Burger, that was my first restaurant I ate here That's in Wilmington. After PT, they were like, all right, hey, we're gonna go back to the dorm, put all the stuff, get the board short and go to the beach. All right, and we did that and I was like, Man, how lucky I am. <laughs> so, I, I never visited Wilmington. I didn't know anything about Wilmington. Um, I know Dave and Todd, and that's, that's all. Okay, let, let's let's take it to that moment. You step on the beach in Wrightsville. Uh, well, you've been to beaches all over the world. You're yeah. from Bali. Yeah. You've seen the beauty of the yeah. beaches. How how was it your first impression here? I, I thought, well, you know, what there's two distinct different I feel like because when when I was at Bowles we we would go to Jacksonville Beach it's huge right and I came here I'm like man I just feel that more small town and that's more me and it's kind of like I and I feel that that I, I you would have a community around rather than just a massive beach you know and I think I think that the, the quaint the uh no, not many, not too much businesses, not us commercialized, you know, and you could run into someone you know. Exactly, exactly, and and that's what Dave was telling me. I still use the phrase to this day. He say that, you know, you go to Wilmington, it's too big for uh, for you to know everybody, but it's small enough that you walk around, you see somebody you know. I was like, all right, I like that. I like that idea, and I still use that to tell the recruits, like, hey, Wilmington, it's just, it's just the way it is. And it's, it's gonna be too big for you to know everyone, but it's gonna be small enough if you go somewhere, you see some people you know. 
Um, and that's really, I feel home, to be honest with you. When I step on Riceville, I'm like, man, this is, this is nice. This is, this is, I can live like this. I can live here. So, so yeah, man, it's uh, a push experience. Yeah, now we're here. Look at that. Hey, I look at this. here, man. So <laughs> sick. So, you, how then was it that you, you signed up? You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're, visited you go back yeah. and then you it's time to, to go to uncw yeah. what's that what's that first year like first year was was an adjustment year um i think i actually how, how yeah. old were you this is your yeah, first year of college you're 18 20, 20, 20 years old. okay I was 20 years old yeah and um because you had your other classes you were taking to to, to you got be it. ready for uncw you got it exactly because yeah. you know how in, in the system here right, you have to go certain credits yeah. right yeah. Um, so I was 20 year old and I think the biggest adjustment was it's not so much how we do things uh, because I've been living this the swimming living with for like really I was a professional at that point yep. in, in a way yep. um, I, I knew how to balance everything I, I don't like I think it was more it was more an adjustment with living around my teammates that was the first time ever living on their own um the party life yeah exactly they, they, they were the first time they ever have freedom and you know you had freedom now for 15 years for 15, yeah I, I, exactly i was freedom like I, I didn't have to worry about anything you know and i'm just kind of like it's just the way so you you're want. like almost a coach to these kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's just in a way i'm like man it's just like and you know you guys I, I remember like some conversation like you know you know you guys don't have to do this because you you also still have freedom next weekend you know yeah you yeah. know it's just like you, you and uh, and in fact I was like this is the I mean, this is the first few weeks you're not living under your parents' roof and you're gonna have this for the rest of your life you know that right <laughs> so it was like it was really I was in awe in a way when I was like whoa like okay but at, at, at the moment I didn't really realize that that was their first time ever. You know, like, hey, you, you know, you, 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 you go to go to school all, all day, all semester, and then your first day of summer break, you gotta be like, let's go. You know, it's it's kind of like that feeling for them, and it was I feel like the adjustment then where um, I wanted to continue to train when the season's over because it was more that hey, I I, I just that was my life. Um, you felt comfortable doing the reps, doing the sets. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it just, uh, it was a normal for me. I, I didn't know any other way. I never, like, see myself just not swimming and after February. You know, I never see myself, and and that was another adjustment. Some people was, you know, they're, they reached the pinnacle, they reached the college at Division One. they're being a part of it, and then after two years, they were like, now, I'm only gonna do what coaches do, what coaches ask me to do, and that's it. You know, I'm not gonna. So it was more the oh wow, okay, some swimming is different for, for other people, and that's okay. It's not wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, uh, but it was a learning for me that this sport is is a is a is a beautiful sport in number one, and but I think to me more importantly is. The relationship with water is different for other people. 
and unfortunately for some people they didn't enjoy that relationship for me i enjoy that relationship i, I wanted to be with you in the water so now look can we hone in on that point for one second because yeah. i've seen a lot of swimmers and it's like they're super talented but once yeah. they once they graduate they're like i'm never swimming again yeah. and i've been swimming my whole life yeah. super hardcore since a super early age yeah. maybe like you're saying for the wrong reasons like their yeah. parents wanted them to yeah. or whatever and then they get out and do you see this a lot and can you say a little bit more about that like yeah. how maybe one can avoid such a thing because swimming is such a beautiful yeah. sport it's a dance yeah and you yeah. can take it to your to your deathbed yeah the oldest people can be in the water yeah and um, it's a shame that people so good give it up yeah I, I think it's a combination I, I don't think it's necessary I like to tell this much to the staff when we got when we got kids under that water so the history how they were raised and all that we don't actually know uh, we don't you know it's, they even told you about the demon exactly they didn't tell they didn't, we didn't know what that relationship with water is when they were growing up you know and so i think to me i i hate to say this that I, I mean, coaching swimming is a part of this. I mean, it's my profession, right? And I mean, you know, you your kids doing the the, the, the swim the, the swim team with us, right? Yeah. And uh, it's with with the Aquahawks, right? And, and I created that because I thought about this exact question: Why so many? Why do people? Think about this. There is one for everybody. Has there is one food that our mom made that we ate way too much in our younger days, and can't I, we, we just can't handle it now. We just like I don't want to eat it. I can't have enough of that. For me, for, for my wife, it's spaghetti. She was a one of four. She eats spaghetti a lot. I see a lot of like microwave, you know, microwave food and everything a lot, you know. <clears throat> so, and I think I, I associated that into swimming where some people, they've been doing swimming as an organized sport for since they're six years old. How many six years old, seven years old, eight years old right now that in this town, now, is that a wrong way to do it? Hey, if, if that's gonna work for you, that's great, you know? But they're swimming five days a week, 52, 50 weeks, 48 weeks a year. I mean, you do that for how many years? It's it's kind of hard. And, and not only that, some of them enjoy it, but most of them, they didn't want it. They don't, it's just like, mom, no, you gotta go. You know, and I think to me, the balance as, you know, I'm, I'm a parent, so you just like, you know, it's like, What's the balance here for us to? How, how do you do oh, that with your kids? I, I told I told my kids like he, he has yet gone any swim lessons. And, he did it for those listening. Yeah. How old are your kids? My kids are two year old and four year old. Um, the way we teach our kids the four year old and learn how to swim was we're in the water with them like nonstop. Play we're in the time. water with the play time. We don't really exactly and 
Now, <clears throat> I think some parents don't have time to do that, right? And we're lucky enough that, you know, my, my work schedules allow me to do that in, in the summertime. My wife's work schedule allow her to be with the kids. So we can be consistent. Um, we can offer that safety, you know, for our kids. And some parents can't do that. And that's how we try to, okay, how do we fill the blank for, for the community, right? Um, but, but again, like I said, beyond the swimming lessons, and that's why we want to create something. I want to create something that, hey, you know, they can do this just for, I don't know, six weeks, 12 weeks. They like it. Take a break. Take a break. Then you know what crazy with this, the U.S. is swimming all year round? They're practicing right now all the way. Right now, the school's out. They got practice until 8.30 p.m. So I'm just kind of like, at what point? I'll, we have to take a look at it all the way to when we were young, when they are much younger than 18 year old you know well i want to get back to your history but i really like this point because you're really touching something in my soul you know yeah. you're, you're talking about the aquahawks <clears throat> yeah. and for those who are, are listening and don't know bobby started a youth a youth swimming program at uncw yeah. where he has the community come and and he has his uncw coaches coach young children and it's a beautiful thing and it's really the, the it's a unique program in this area we don't have a big aquatic center like they have in big cities and such. The Natatorium, the Dave Allen Natatorium at UCW is the premier pool in this area. So Bobby has, as the head coach at UCW, allowed the, the kids and set up a program to come and swim. And as a parent who has a child in the in the group, it's the, the vibration when you step into the Natatorium is a beautiful thing. It's a college swimming pool. Yeah. And, and you have that that high level feeling, the flags, yeah. the water is perfectly crystal clear. It's at the right temperature for a competition and everything is beautiful. Now, my son Dax, who's in the program, he is a, uh, a child who you have to bribe and force into the, into the, uh, the class daily. He yeah. comes out of it feeling great, but yeah. every day I have to negotiate with him to get yeah. into it. And, I don't like negotiating something so beautiful. Yeah. I think I think he should like be yeah. dying to go. Yeah. yeah. And and that that's something that as a parent I've had to balance a struggle with because the child's yeah. only eight or nine, but also yeah. eight or nine year olds are trained for the Olympics. So it's like <laughs> yeah. what, what? And I see the talent. I see yeah. the p potential yeah. in his physique, in his body. But like at the end of the day, the individual has to want it bad. Yeah. And yeah. and yeah. that's how. Yeah. That's how I started. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, I mean, we, we've been kind of honing in on this, yeah. this particular point, but like, what advice do you give to a parent like myself under these conditions? Sure. Just like my, my experience, I think find something that motivates him in, in that particular sport. That's you like to win. That's you like competing. What is it, right? Majority of the time, an eight-year-old kid, they want to swim because they like that competition. The summer league, they love summer league. It's And a lot of time, and, and, and to me, Summer League is the greatest thing for swimming, really. And it just kind of having that. It's really the backbone of the sport, is it, it not? Is, is, yeah, absolutely. And Summer League is the backbone of the sport. And I think the reason why USA is so good in swimming is because Summer League, Summer League was the beginning of it. And USA Swimming is just kind of like, you know, additional, like really after Summer League. What is it after Summer League? So I think to me, um, Finding what motivates them, and there's a swimmer right there. Yeah. What's up, cat? <laughs> hey, cat. Good. How are you doing? 
Good morning to you. So, once you find that that motivation, you gotta find a balance. Obviously, they're still young. You gotta introduce some type of discipline, some type of structure for them to kind of have somewhat, somewhat a um, really a perimeter for them, right? But at the same time, I challenge parents to also let them have their time off from it. Because if you if you maybe you give them time off, they're like, hey, I kind of want to go back to it. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to it again. And also, if you do it a little bit more like, like a little bit inconsistent, but it's not so much you know, too much for them, they'll see improvement. When they see improvement, they're gonna they're gonna be more motivated to do it, right? I think it's just like we're human. If we, hey, we're gonna do this. I want to see. And people like to see the. Oh yeah, I got better on this. Oh sure. Like I think that's that's to me. It's a big deal in coaching, making sure that they see, they get some wins as well. Because training is hard, right? Training in, in anything you do is hard. But you gotta see, you gotta see that you're getting better. It's something. So, so the balance of that, the balance of creating a perimeter for them and creating schedule for them, and at the same time, not afraid to give them some time off, it's, it's important. Well, let's take it back to, to your time going into UNCW. Yep. You, it, it's that it's that uh, those, those blocks of years when you were with uh, Coach Dave Allen, yep. and you're now you're now the premier coach. What what was it about him that you learned most? Like what? Yeah. Describe first the man and what made him so special as a coach. You know, we always talk about this as uh, as a swimmer, and all the swimmers would would agree with me. He has a special ability. He had a special ability that he can make you feel so special for him. And and he does. In, in a way, not, not in a like a out in, in a lavish way. It's in a way just you really want to get to know you as a person. And I think that's a big deal as a coach, you know? And, and that's a big deal as a relationship because as a coach, hey my my job is to help you to reach your best potential. Whatever that is, to, to be better. Like, you know, when you start with us, and I only want for each student athlete to become a better person when they leave the program. Whatever that is, right? And I think Dave Allen had it right in, in a way where he wants to know your family, he wants to know you. Um, he asks, how are you doing? And, and almost to me, Sometimes swimming always comes second to me, in a way. Yeah, I think that, I mean, his, his record saying, I mean, if you have, if you're a swim coach, you have a pool name after you, you know you made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's pretty similar. You don't have to talk about what he achieved or anything. Well, no. they got a pool name after him. So, so you know, that's, that's all you need to know about the man. Uh, so I think to me, that, that was a big deal. Um, just the relationship he had with every of his every student athlete, and and you know, in in a 38 year span, you know what I'm saying? I said that's that's amazing. Like, and for me, when I was a uh, when I was a current student athlete, it's so cool to see so many so many along would come back to here to Wilmington. It's like to 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 reconnect with him and reconnect with the team.
team and, and their time with the team was so special. And, I, and that says a lot to me. And, and for me, it was it was a big deal because you know, I, I value I value that, you know. And, and as a coach right now, I look back to that where I told my swimmers that I'm always going to be honest with you. And I'm not going to change you. That, that's My goal is not, I'm not in the business of changing people. I'm in the business of showing you who the real Bobby Couture is. I'm in the business that, hey, this, when you step into the the, uh, the UNCW swimming and diving family, we're, we're going to know if we're going to understand that people are different. But when you take your time to get to know people, you'll be able to learn how to work with different people and respect one another. And and, and that's the most important thing. And, and that's why I say like, you know, everybody have different background and religion, politics, political view and everything background. I was like, I'm different. I'm, I'm not from the US. My, my that doesn't mean your background, whatever is not as, if that doesn't mean I know everything, you know, and, and I think that, I, I got that from Dave, and I, I learned that from Dave. Um, the X and O's, you know, and, and coaching, I think science, like, we're, I, I'm, I'm the, uh, I'm a student of the sport. Um, I certainly changed over the years, and, you know, from my, my years of coaching, 2018 definitely was my, I feel like I was coaching from 2012 until now. 2018 was a big year for me as, as validate me as a coach in, in, in the nation level. Like I, I coach four national titles in, in NC2A. And, and this is at NC this State. Is NC State. Yes. This is at NC State. Uh, in 2018, I coached guys who combined that group. We won four national titles and uh, two NCAA records. So that was really, to me, that was the year where accumulation from 2012 2018. And guess what? I am a, I, I think I'm a better coach now than I was in 2018. Because I look back, I continue to kind of data is everything and evaluating myself is more important than evaluating my student athletes. Well, I want to get into your coaching style and philosophy yeah. deeply, but I got to touch upon your, your actual swimming yourself because yeah, you yeah. went on to crush it with Dave Allen. Yeah, I did. And you guys, you have a school record in the 100-meter butterfly. That was yeah. your stroke. Yeah. Ironically enough, you said you couldn't do butterfly, do in the, butterfly in the, when you were young, but yeah. you know a lot of that's yeah. probably due to the size of your body. Yeah. And you went on to just like destroy the butterfly. Um, but first, tell us a little bit, because butterfly is such a unique yeah. uh, stroke, and yeah. it, it, it involves so much power over yeah. a short period of time, and it's hard to practice because you got to put so much yeah. effort into it. Speak about butterfly for, yeah. for us. You know, that's what the the general public believes about butterfly. Though. But it truly is, surfing is hard. You can't power through surfing. You've got to go with immersion. you got to... The timing is more important than the power, right? As I always, and I always say that to all my swimmers, butterfly is all about, the underwater dolphin kicks, right? It's a big deal, right? Because now you, you watch a butterfly race, they push off the wall, they stay underwater for 15 yards before they come up. And to 
me, butterfly is really important for you how to maneuver your body underwater. Number one, when a dolphin kicks move the undulation up and down and understanding how to move through the water during that motion. And then the stroke itself is so much timing. It's important, it's, there's a two, there's a, there's, there's a two kicks in one stroke for butterfly. One of them is the, the first, when your hands enter the water, you need to kick that, that's the first kick. And then as you move the arm, you need to move your feet up. And then as your hands right above, right underneath your belly right here, that's another second kick. So why is that two kicks? Well, number one, we teach swimmers to, to understand the timing of the kick. Why is it important the timing of the kick? Number one is you're trying to swim not through the water, but you're trying to swim really, you're utilizing, you, you, you use water as the element to propel you forward. If you're swimming through the water, you're going through this resistance. You wanna get that through, the, through the element of the water, you wanna move your, water, your body forward, really kind of like above the water, flying, or really the same thing, flying above the water a little bit. So I think to me, butterfly is, <clears throat> make it simple. If, if you, once you got the timing right, it will allow to position your body to ready to fly each strokes at a time. And I always look at it that way. And I always start when teaching butterfly, even with my swimmers right now, we do timing, butterfly timing kicking almost every other day. And just making sure they understand that because now they're, they're a lot stronger than any of us, right? They, they, can, do, they can do 90 pounds weighted pull-ups three times, bam, bam, bam. But I was like, hey, without timing it right, you're not gonna be able to fly through the water. You're just gonna be plowing water. So, so to me, I was always focused on that when I was a swimmer. I wasn't the strongest guys, and, but I think my, my strength was I moved through the water better than, than many people. Um, I knew I had to be that way because coming from a different country, we always feel that a lot of the Americans, they're big, they're strong. And you know, the running joke, <clears throat> and I told them like, yeah, people in Indonesia believe they're so big and strong because they eat milk and, and cheese every day and all that, you know, we don't, we don't eat that. Like, and I remember back then, I'm like, man, we gotta eat cheese every day so we can <laughs> keep up with these Americans. Um, you know, but, but I knew that I was like, hey, you know, we're not as strong, we're not as big as the Americans. How do, how do we, how do we maneuver that? You know, how, how, what are the areas that we have to be better? Uh, and I think to me, uh, coming in, you know, I was, you know, I'm five foot eleven. A lot of flyers, they six foot two. They're big guys, six foot two, six foot four. You know, and they're they're just wide, big big dudes and strong. And I think that was kind of like my way of like, all right, uh, you, you you can have your power but I'm gonna move through the water better. Yeah, you took the efficiency up yeah. to the top. Yeah. So you, you had your wins. What was that like as a, as a you've gone through yeah. these yeah. This 20 years of struggle and now you're you're on top. Like, what? tell us a little bit about that feeling. Talking about this like right now? No, no, excuse oh, me. Oh, okay. yeah, I wanna, I wanna uh, back, keep back, that in, 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 your, in your competition okay, years when you. when you were yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was 
it's, it's hard to explain um, because I always feel that it's a part of journey and everything I do is a part of journey and it's always sometimes we get caught up with with goals and trying to achieve the goals and everything but we forgot hey you may not achieve one goal but you, this journey is an always important chapter uh, moving forward so I, I, I think that was because my experience you know living by myself since I was 12 years old you know I look at it a little bit different way um, I thought the biggest win for me was getting a degree uh, and, uh, you know I remember and like, you have an accounting degree I first an accounting degree yeah and then uh, went on to my master get, uh, I think the most important master I have was when I did an NC State but I did uh, sport and youth development yep and you know so but uh when, when uh, obviously breaking records was really really important to me and because it was like the goal because validate that hey I'm the best ever ever done in this university uh, at that particular time you know and but but like I said you know you, you got to go back to my story in the beginning where my mother is such an important role for me and she came from the academic side so the academics to you was yes. really the goal was really the way, yes Amazing. My academic was the really win. Um, it was, you know, I, I, I told the story to my, my swimmers uh, two days ago. I say, you know, we were giving out the rings, the championship rings. You know, the last year championship teams, we just received the championship rings two days ago, three days ago, and we gave it out the rings. And uh, I was telling them a story about one of the rings that I received uh, and telling and when I, when I told them that the rings are important, but more importantly, it's a symbol that I can... That chapter of my life right there, 2000, whatever, I can... My brain works in such a mysterious way, I can remember a lot of events on that year, not just, not just the swimming. And I think that's, that's the beauty of, uh, really, of uh, what the championship ring. So, uh, hey guys. What's up? More swimmers! More swimmers! More, more crazy swimmers yeah, getting in the dude. cold. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah, wish me luck. You're out Have there. Uh, so, one, one of the stories that, that I'm a proudest moment is, in these days of it's magnificent. Like, I graduated from college without owning a laptop. And I told him, yeah, I graduated from college. And I would go to the library to do all my work in the library. And I would save everything in the C drive, or whatever that drive was that you tell you has, you know? And, yeah. and the running joke in the team was, hey, you're looking for a bio, you just go to the library. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's either library or Wagner dining hall. That's it. Yeah. Go back and or forth, right? Or the pool, yeah. exactly. So, you know, I, I think to me, I look back, and just, Swimming taught me a lot about internal drive. Swimming taught me a lot about looking at problem solving in a different way. Um, the American versus the Indonesian, whatever, like, you know, the, the size difference, right? Um, the swimming taught me about, swimming gave me a, a lot of relationships, obviously. Um, but look back to my days, my competition days, and, and my, the one thing that I'm really proud of was a small kid from Indonesia I end up here and get a degree uh, in this country and doing it by myself. I think that's uh, not not doing it by myself. There's a lot of people supporting me around me, uh, but but in a way, living in this country by myself. 
Right. You, you didn't have mommy and daddy to run home to. Uh -huh. Yeah. I went home one time in four years of my career here. One time. I'm sure they missed you terribly. <laughs> so so you're, you're now, you've graduated. You stay on yeah. another year to be an assistant coach yeah. with, with Dave. Yeah. Uh, and then, then you're like, I, what, was it something inside you that said, I need to go out and make it on my own in this coaching world? Oh, and before we go there, did you know when you graduated, like you have the accounting degree, did you know that you wanted to be a coach? No, I did not know that. Um, you know, helping Dave was just because I was in I was in town still. I was doing my internship here and all that. Internship in accounting? Inter internal audit uh, wow. at UCW. And uh, finished out my degree as well over there. And then I actually went to New York City working for Deloitte. Wow. In accounting first. And, you know, I thought that was my calling. It was just kind of like, oh, you know, close the chapter and then move it on. But through coaching with Dave, Dave was so good in knowing like, or, or, or evaluating what's our strength and weakness. And he saw something in me in coaching that he gave me. I mean, I just fresh out of college. He just gave me like a group, like a small group. Hey, work with this group. I think you'll be good at that, working with this group. What and was I that just, group? It was a bachelor group. It was the bachelor group. It was six people. Um, I still remember it. And one of them ended up broke the school record in the Hunter Bachelor. Uh, she was a freshman that year. Uh, but Dave was giving me the opportunity to just to kind of play with it, you know. And but he. You know, he guide me if I, you know, if you have any questions, just let me know. And he tell me like, right, I want you to do this, part, this part, this part, this part, this part of the season, do this a little bit more, and all that moving forward. Um, that was really cool to have that opportunity where almost like you're doing your craft. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like that's coaching is an art, right? You're creating something where just your craft and you're working together, right? And when I went to Deloitte. I missed that. I I was a part of just. I just feel like I didn't contribute as much, and and I and, and I didn't want that. And it wasn't your passion. It wasn't my passion. And then um, you know the opportunity presented itself. Todd DeSorbo moved from UNC Wilmington to NC State, and he asked me, you know, hey, we're building something cool here at NC State. Um, I need somebody that. I trust that uh, you know that they can run the spring group with me, and I was like, yeah, I, you know what? But I told I told Todd and, and Braden, I was the head coach at NCAA, that I like to continue my education something in, in youth sport. Um, that was the beginning of my coaching career. I don't know how long I was going to be a coach. One year becoming two, becoming three, four, five, and then uh, now it's just. I'm a coach for life, <laughs> bro. So you you leave the you leave this beautiful beach yeah. and you're off you're off and you're now at state and you did amazing things at state. Yeah. The 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 level there is uh, D1 for those who don't know Division One. It's a uh, it's 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 a high ranking thing. Um, here's the question: You're there. You then have an opportunity to come back to Wilmington to be the head coach. You're you're the head coach at state. What was what was that? I guess thing in your head. Why why did you want to come back? Well, I think I look at life as chapters. Um, you know, 
for me, I met my wife in Raleigh. Uh, my wife is a North Carolina native. She's from Elizabeth City. Uh, you met her at State while coaching? Uh, yep, I met her. We, we were neighbors in Raleigh. Uh, she was, she's a PA, she was doing her thing, but we share like to hike, like to bike. We just being, we're, we're just same two active people. And, uh, you know, and we, it, it, and then it just kind of the chemistry, uh, you know, really had a chemistry and uh, built our family. And when, when, when UNCW job came on the desk, I had a really, really just the first time that serious conversation with my wife, uh, how, where do we want to go with our family? And, you know, I think NC State experience was awesome. Um, but there was no non-stop. I mean, I'm around, I'm around people's kids 24-7, but I wouldn't be around my kids at, at all, if any. Um, you know, I feel that UNC Wilmington will offer me that. And the Wilmington that I know, the Wilmington experience that I had, you know, we had a community around this this place. Um, no, I'm not saying that an instant community for our family when just moved down here, but and just like, for context, you came here at the start of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, I came at the start of pandemic, and I, I totally, you know, believe it or not, I enjoy pandemic because I was at home with my baby boy. It was he was six months six months old, and yeah. you know, I was like, well, you know what. I'm, I'm, I'm being a dad right now. This is, this is kind of awesome. Like I, I was quietly. Uh, I, I vividly that. remember seeing you on the south end, yeah. and, and I was staying at the surf suites, and you came yeah. up, and you, dude, you were glowing. Yeah, you were yeah. so stoked. I was, I was loving it, man. So, um, but, but that was really okay. I, I want this. I want, I want this for my kids, and you know, I think that was, that was really the biggest decision we made, and we made it for for our family to grow here in Wilmington. Um, how long am I gonna be in Wilmington? I mean, I, I don't I don't put any limit. And, and I told my wife, it's like, this is a good place for us to grow our family. And my wife agree with that, you know? And so, so yeah. So you, you, you then go on to yeah. have three championships at UNCW. So the three years you've been here, you've had three championships. Do I have yes. that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> You're a champion yourself. What is it that makes a champion? You know, when you're passionate about something and then you surround yourself with the right people, um, things will click, right? Um, we build a culture. Um, and again, my, my biggest thing is I won my, my first time in front of that team in 2020. I told them. I want you to know who I am. This is me. And this is my line. This is the black and white of Bobby Gantoro. Now, you may agree with that, you may not agree with that. But if we're gonna move forward right here, we have to, I can only be, I can only be a successful coach for you if I do my thing. Now, I got to understand who you are so, so that we can work together. And the first year was very tough. Um, I mean, COVID-19 is a tough year for, for students, right? Um, but then the honesty, the, the upfront honesty, I, I say this all the time, you're being honest, you're gonna go far. And we were honest with ourselves, with the staff, we put together the staff, 
the administrator really, really supported us. Um, and our goal is simply as put good people around us and be passionate in what we do um, and understand that life is not perfect. We're not going to go for absolute. Uh, we're just going to focus on what we can control. I think results will come. Results will come. And you say the black and white. What is the black and white? Well, I mean, I think it's just more that what's acceptable for me, what's not acceptable for me. It's in a way, well, it's a lot of things. Like, I, I don't, I believe in your body is your temple. And one of the team rules that I'm saying, like, I, I don't want you, you, you cannot drink 24 hours prior to your training. There's just no way alcohol is good for you 24 hours for your training, right? And sleeping is important for you. Um, and, and I always focus on a lot of things outside swimming. And I believe in taking care of the business, putting our life in order for us to be able to manage everything. Um, what does that mean, putting life in order? really put things put focus in the classroom and all that um, there are things that like that is the black and white and I said it to them and uh, th this is Bobby Gontero this is gonna be the team that that I'm gonna have you know and that, that we're gonna have not I it's not my team it's, it's our you're, team. you're the leader you set the yeah. you set the stage I set the stage yeah yeah so so really that that's in terms of swimming and everything there was no team rules about swimming at all and so everything's about how we do things outside the pool because I really believe that if we put our life in order, the swimming's gonna come. The swimming's the easy part, but the goal is not, you know, well, as we passed the oceanic pier, I said, my goal as a coach is to make sure, hey, I want, I want to work together with all the student athletes that when they leave, I feel that they are a better people. They're, they're better people. Um, we got we got to focus on things outside the pool first, and, and I think that's that's our approach. I think sometimes coaches are so zoning about swimming immediately or, or any whatever sport immediately, and they forgot that it's like, hey, you know, we only in swimming we only with them for about an hour and a half, two hours a day. That's it, 22 hours at a time. They're they're not in front of me, you know. So having them understanding of What's the black and white of Bobby Gonzalez is really, really important. And now, as, as a swimmer myself, I, I'd like to know a little bit about how you approach this whole balance between the, the, the hard work and then the recovery. Yeah. And you spoke a little bit about this um, with me on, on a deck a few months ago, and it really hit home. It's like, I want to push, you said, I want to push these guys to a point and then back off. Yeah. And that that's so, like... Everyone's a little different, possibly. Yeah. And how how do you know when to back off, and how do you know when to put on the gas? Yeah. Well, it's uh, the honesty is very important to begin with, and I always say that I'm going to give you my honest effort, no matter how I feel. Like I may come in and feel I'm I'm human, right? Like, hey, you know, you got a morning off, but I may not get a morning off because I have other people that have class conflict, whatever. But no matter how I feel, I'm going to give you my honest effort. I'm going to give you my best shot at how to prepare everything. And in return, I tell them, for this to be successful, you need to give me your best effort, no matter how you feel. Now, if you feel 70%, give me 100% at your 70%. And that conversation happens early on. And 
you know typically happen is the to the upperclassmen they they find more success because it's more number one they really understand how to operate 100% when they're feeling 70% and they really kind of know how to do that and and to me that's a lot of observation is a lot of doing a lot of different tests um, for us we utilize you know dr. C dr. Uh, uh, Waylon C he, he lives here in, in South Harbor Island and but he's been uh, at UNCW for a long time and then uh, uh, professor Michelle also we're working for for one of the sprinters part of it we're doing some lactate testing on how how much the body produce lactate and all of that and to me that's a part of it where I want to know where they are and the data shows everything um, really understanding that and really observing observing and evaluating things is such a big deal for us and, and you know again I'm not perfect right uh, but if, if if they're giving us an honest effort and 100% and we know when they break down or we know when they start breaking down that's the time for us to back off a little bit um, what are those signs is it in the data or is it in the feeling two things I think the, the, the science of coaching is in the data the art of coaching you got to understand their body language too now the breakdown is also mentally as well and sometimes their body can still push it I start noticing hey you know we we go two more sessions go we're gonna lose them is yeah, the man. breakdown mentally do you see that in their attitudes body language body language they, they, body Body language cannot lie. And I watch every single swimmer, the first 15 minutes. How they get on the deck. They go, you got it, you got it. I watch them and sometimes they're like this straw feeling. First thing I ask them, not so much about talking about practice, like, hey, tell me about how your day going. What's going on, you know? And sometimes you get the answer, all that, you know, sometimes immediately tears come down, okay what's going on you know and you know how can i help you to move forward today you know back to the eight-year-old is, is that a thing that you back off in or as in a, now these kids are uh, are old but they're still kids are, are they do you like do you back off or do you do hit on the gas like i, I, I think the big thing is a periodization like periodization of training is very important and i told them that a management of up and down like it's important, shut down is not okay for our program. Because, well, and I would say it's not okay. There's a, there's a two piece, uh, it's a psychology and physiology. And the psychology part of it, you are a human, you know, and there are moments that it's gonna be tough for some people, tougher for some people than the other. We gotta understand, right, how do, how do we manage that so that we can continue to produce, you know, Overall, is a is a good uh, the result that we want to produce in the end of the year, right? But physiology is, I always say that it's important for us to manage things. What does that mean? Our back off? How much we're doing? How the maintenance is important. The maintenance of all right, maybe you go three days that you're gonna let their body kind of keep moving, but super easy, you know, and give them that that give them some mental break as well. Um, now, if we shut down for absolutely a week no training that, that's not good for your physiology right so and you know you're a swimmer you it's a big difference swimming easy for not feeling good or I just I'm gonna 
get in the water for like a 500 or a thousand or you totally shut down for three days when you come back it's the the word the one thing i love about this forest is so honest with us <laughs> it, it's so it, it, it tells rewarding. you it tells you everything it tells you everything it's rewarding but golly it's uh, it's punishing you in the same time too and, and if you do it every day you know where you are on the barometer you do you really but do. if you go if you go if you take a month break oh dude you're off the train you're done yeah yeah, yeah you got it it takes another month to get yeah. back to where you were maybe yeah and, and I, that's what again it's, it's the same thing and i always say you take off a month or two months i say that when they come back like welcome back from retirement yeah you know it's uh your body is becoming untrained your body just had no idea about this so so that's so, yeah. why you're keeping them swimming over this this christmas break here yeah yeah it's it's, it's it is and uh and we would take off typically you know people always do christmas training but typically they they let them go home on the on the 17th or the 18th of december and they all come back here on the 27th so when i swim that's what dave used to do come back here to 27 but you know christmas feeling holiday season it, it's 27 to 26 people are still there your mind's still there come back here to 27 not gonna get any any good thing going on until the 31st you, you're still looking for oh yeah i'm looking forward to new year's but for me i'm like hey you know right now and i told the team this you're not gonna feel that holiday season until the 22nd the 23rd the 24th by the christmas eve right so stay here with us until the 22nd we'll send you home when you're home you you're in the thick of the holiday season and then after the christmas day you're home until until new year's you got all this to look forward to right so i think to me mentally it's better for us to keep them here longer in the front part of the season and and then get them out get them back here uh, a little bit later and now when you come closer to this championship period that's in february yeah it, do you do you back off on the distances and What's your philosophy with sets yeah. regarding that, the, the build up to it? Man, in, within the team, I probably have 10 different programs going on. Okay, uh, based on, uh, for those who don't know, yeah. the, the sprinters and the distancers, yeah. Yeah. and then the strokes in those. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's based on their physiology, really. Like, you know, and for, this, for the distance, we're going to keep their volume where they are, but we're going to tone down a little bit some intensity as we get closer. Um, to kind of get their body going a little bit. And then for middle distance, we're actually bringing down their volume, but pump up the intensity a little bit more. And at some point we drop the intensity like last probably two weeks. For sprinters, my sprinters practice yesterday was 2000 yards. Sprinting, that's it. So the volume actually is very low. Why? So so it's a it's a distance like two thousand doesn't sound a lot but you're you're cranking in those two thousands. We got fast, all fast. Those are fast, all fast. Like the heart they, rate's high. The heart rate's pretty high, and and they're doing, they did twenty two fast rep rap repetitions like at their max speed last night. But total practice is two thousand. Well, on the distance side, their total practice last night was six thousand yards, and then when they came back the first in the morning practice they were at six thousand. So they're at 6,000, 6,000. The sprinters were at 2,000 and 2,000. Uh, it's a really, really different. And really based on this, we kind of start a little bit more zoning in when 
even individually just some people need to do continue on with that fast intensity rep all the way until conference champs and then uh some people we just need to fine-tune it um second week of january uh we have uh, our swim meets again uh, davidson here in wilmington that's a big test for our team to see where we are uh in, and what the next uh, seven weeks gonna look like for them training wise so that's that's really the evaluation of observing now uh, back to the heart rate physiology yeah. do you track their individual heart rates heart rates throughout practice we do in certain sets uh, especially so yesterday yesterday afternoon for example we we train we do a lot of a little bit not so much the heart rate to be honest with you it's more that we kind of zooming in a little bit because there's so many people going on at the same time so we give them specific stroke count for 25 and we give them really like what what pace do they actually hit every time so it's a consistent for them and we kind of know what pace time would do to their heart rate and and kind of go from there and what's a what's a what's a maxed out heart rate for a, a, a male um let's say a, a sprinter these days so sprinters they can go above 200 pretty easily wow they, they're there they can yeah they can hit up pretty good uh the, the distance uh, not not so not so yeah high. how does they're, that how does that look for the distance distance is uh we actually don't want them to be able to hit that that zone because they got to go uh, a long because time because they got a long time they got their body we need to teach their body to clear the lactate rather than reducing lactate you know so um so we're focusing on what we call lactate threshold so it means that it's really the fastest pace you can hold for a certain amount of period of time, right? Um, well, wherever that goal is. Wherever that goal is, exactly. For for us, uh, the distance side, uh, we call it distance, but some swimmers only go up to 500 freestyle. Some swimmers go up to the mile. Right. And that, that was the, right now, is the main focus for the mile, really. Uh, for those who are the distance the, the mile. So the lack of threshold focus is really pushing how much, how fast can their body hold on for the mile pace? Where, where is swimming going? What, like, like you've been around yeah. the sport a long time. Yeah. How, how do you see the future of the sport? Oh man, I think we'll always be a sport because swimming is the only sport that can save a life in the water, right? Um, you know, obviously we, we're, big, we're big, on the beach right now, we're big about lifeguards, right? The beach lifeguard here in Russell Beach, it's a big deal. It's a, it's a big part of the community. Same thing in Carolina Beach or all around the area, right? I think it starts with the sport of swimming. I, I, I do believe that in terms of the NCAA level and all that, there's so many uncertainty in NCAA level. I don't know. Um, and I don't know for any sports other than basketball and football, to be honest. Um, but I do feel Does that, that come back to the money? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Come back to the NIL and you know, the it's because they, they can't extract so much money out of those sports. You so got it's it. like, how am I gonna? How are we gonna invest in these things? Yep. And, and you know what? The thing is also, you know, athletic department. Some athletic department, they, I mean, almost all athletic department feels that, oh man, like if we invest more on this, we can make more money on that stuff. It's more that kind of like high return dream, but in reality. 90% athletic department are losing money because they invest so much on that, you know, in that revenue sport, right? Um, now, I think UCW is a little bit different. Uh, we're relying a lot on 
the university itself uh, for, for funding the UNCW athletic department. Uh, this just every every year now. We don't have football. And I think mid-major programs, because the UNCW, Old Dominion, they, uh, well, Old Dominion, they, they have football. But the, those schools that about the same size as okay, so Wilmington do not have football, maybe able to survive a little bit better because it's not, it's, we never had the money. Uh, you know, so so I think to me, that's gonna be an interesting factor um, on, in terms of the, the future of the sport. Well, l- let me let me pause for a second because yeah. there's so much cultural uh, yeah. difference here. So let's take yeah. a country like Australia. Yeah. Australia, swimming is huge the um our friend tim lane he's a coach over there and like he's coaching a guy who's like a basically if he was in america he'd be an nba superstar the guy is a superstar in his country there's big money endorsements why is it culturally that you think that's not in america because we have great swimmers in this country and we have more people and we have more money yeah and we have coastline yeah um what what is it (laughs) it's back to NBA, NFL, and uh, college they basketball. They suck it all up. It's, 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 yeah, it is. And then, you know, it's, uh, why there's no, you know, why, why there's no a, uh, a professional league in swimming? Because people want us to watch football and people want us to watch uh, basketball, you know? Uh, so, so I think to me, it starts with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think that's, that's just... I don't. I don't think we can. I don't think we can ever. Uh, and the the deeper question here is yeah. existentially: Why is that? Like, because they do have they yeah. have footy in Australia. They have cricket. It's they a, ha- like I, I I and it kind of goes also also to the cultural question of you go to the you talk about the ocean rescue and the yeah. surfing. Yeah. Like I I know so many surf. I'm I'm deep in the surfing culture. Yeah. yeah. So many of my surfing buddies don't swim. They, yeah. They're not at the pool. Yeah. You think the two would go hand in hand. Yeah. And and to the extent they don't, I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. Why, why do you think? That's a good question. Because you know, you're around the swimmers. I am around the swimmers. And they're not yeah. all surfers. No. No, and, and not all surfer swimmers. They're like yeah, none. You're right. Yeah. Hardly and any. That, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I think it's also have something to do maybe. I, I like to swim outside. No, I, I like I, I like I don't swim in the pool. I like to swim outside. I, I just I enjoy that more. And uh, many surfers do that, you know. And many swimmers don't grow up in the ocean. You know, it's and, a foreign body. It's a foreign. It's, it's such a two. It's it's the same, but it's, it's very different. Swimming in the ocean and swimming in the pool very different, right? Um, but I think it is. It should be hand to hand more. Um, that's what we're trying to accomplish with what we're trying to do here in Wilmington, um, not only in the collegiate level, and we, we, we really embody the lifestyle of, hey, being on the, on the coast. And I think all the programming that we do hopefully can keep the swimmers or the kids in this community to be able to enjoy this, the ocean. Um, you know, we're not really focusing, then again, a lot of programming focusing so much on competitive. I'm like, no, why? You know, it's just beyond that, you know, and the competitive will come for some people that, hey, they, they want that. Okay, great. So I think to me, that's uh, that's the starting point, I guess, you know. The world's got to be different in starting in the 
age group level of swimming has got to be when really focusing is the the water safety, the enjoyable in the water, and not just competitiveness. You know, so I, I don't know if that answers the questions. So I don't know where we go. Uh, you know, from there, from here, uh, but but that's a start at least. Yeah. So so well said. Uh, to your youth, your your passion of, of getting the youth. Yeah. What? Where do you see that going? Like I see. I see that it's a super positive thing for these kids, but I also see it's a super positive thing. It's like an investment in the program. Yeah. You're, you're planting seeds for the future. These are, yeah. these are kids who are gonna grow up here in this community and say, I yeah. wanna go to UNCW, I wanna swim for this, yeah. this program. Um, say a little bit about that if you could. Yeah, it's, it's uh, one big part about taking a job here in Wilmington was that I knew I would have the opportunity to work with the community in this area um, and in, in, in the age group swimming part of it. Um, I'm different and I have, I'm not afraid to be different and I'm not afraid to do things different way. Um, I don't believe, and, and again, like I think we touched this earlier, talk about people's, some swimmers hate swimming. So I'm like, okay, we got to tackle it from the very beginning. Um, so for me, the age group is an investment for the future, the swimming community in this in this town. And think about, and we talk about Aquahawks, right? There was only one other programming that offered something like that in town. Like you either, and then other options, okay, you either swim from March to May or there's no point. For you. There's and that no program's point. super intense. Super intense, right? And, and to me, I'm more like, well, okay, now that's what I'm bringing in, what I'm bringing in, what our staff and our team bringing in is something that we don't necessarily yet offer in this community. And how do we fill the blank? And how do we continue to really offer a swimming in a different way? Um, and, and I think to me, that's, that's the key. So beautiful, so beautiful. Now, Bobby, you say you don't swim in, in a pool much anymore. Um, like, like, can you say a little bit about that? Is that because you spent so much time in the pool and maybe you spend so much time at the pool now yeah. as a coach? Yeah. Um, environmentally, what is it in you that, that you like more? Because yeah. like from the outside in, like I gotta get, I don't spend the whole day at the pool. I yeah. go there for an hour every day and that, yeah. that's me, but I, like, I live by it. Yeah. Um, and I, I, there's a certain process that I love about it. I, yeah. I think you might like it, the process, you know, the flip turn, yeah. the meditation of not seeing or touching anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, but you, you've done way more swimming pooling yeah. in your life than me. So what, t tell me a little bit about your personal psychology to health. You know, for me, to be able to keep my brain running, I need to see something different than my office in a way. And swimming is kind of my office, like in uh, my, uh, the swimming pool that is, it's kind of my office. So I'm there like yesterday. I walked in at 6.30 p.m., at 6.30 a.m. I didn't get out of there until five o'clock. Like I just kind of, all right, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. I gotta, just we're managing 75 people. So you're always non-stop, right? Um, so what I do, what I need to do every day is, I need to get out of the pool, I need to get out of the pool deck to get my mind fresh, just go outside, just get a nice clean air. And, and that's to me is more than anything, really. Um, I needed to get out of that. Uh, unfortunately, my office is in the pool deck, the pool deck. So 
my mental and, and health and, and everything going is I, I my wife and I we do we'll go outside and we'll, we'll go to the intercoastal we'll in the intercoastal just the two of us right and that would be our date <laughs> instead of going to a date night all the time and going to restaurants like sometimes we swim together and and that that's a little bit more and, and uh and I like being in the water, um, either it is on the uh, on the board or just being around water. That's that's for me. It's a little bit more soothing. Uh, again, if it's swimming, I'll, I'll go outside because I need to get out of that that office to keep things like okay. When I come back, I typically I typically know when the time for me to get out. When I'm writing practice, I'm writing program, everything. I'm just stuck. My mind is stuck. I, I need I need to drop. I need to get out of here. I need to get the fresh air and just to really see something different. It really helped my brain to kind of recover. Is there a part of your day here in these winter months when it gets dark so early that, that you, uh, you're like, I got to get out. I got to you know, walk around campus or is that, is that oh, yeah, part of the process? Lunch time, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. When the sun's up. Yeah, because I knew like five o'clock is dark, <laughs> you know? So I'm like, okay, if I don't get out, it's a part of the process. Absolutely. Morning time, like I love on Tuesday, Thursday morning sometimes, like in the, during the during the uh, the school days. That's my morning off during school days, and uh, I like I stay home with the kids. I go out and then we some we just play in our backyard or whatever, and make the breakfast and and, and drop them off to schools and all that. It's it's really nice to to kind of that's kind of like my want to be outside in the sun as much as I can. And uh, winter days, got to make myself out. I, I, I gotta go out. I gotta go out. Now, Bobby, um, this is my last question for you. Yeah. What, what What's the meaning of life, according to Bobby Gunturo? Wow, that's deep. Let's go. Uh, the meaning of life. I think enjoy every chapter of your life. Every. It's not about the destination. It's the journey. I think that really truly is to me. It's the journey. It's. Uh, and throughout the journey of life, there's so many chapters. Throughout the chapters, you're meeting so many different people. It's not the amount of money you make. It's about, it's about how many relationships you created. Um, I'm living my dream right now. Living the dream. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 29 of Speaking From Water with Bobby Gunturo. It has been an absolute pleasure and honor to be with you, Bobby. Thank, thank you very much for, for sharing your life with us in, in this uh, last hour and a half. Uh, I know I got a lot out of it, and I'm sure everyone listening here and in the future will also. Bobby, thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Peace. Peace.